My next guest is the guitarist and a founding member of the pioneering British punk band Gang of Four. And to celebrate the 40th anniversary since the release of their debut album, Entertainment, the current lineup will make its way down under in November and play the album in full. It's a very big hello and welcome to Andy Gill. Hello. Very nice to talk to you. Now, uh, this tour was originally scheduled uh, earlier this year in March, but yep. uh, due to a nasty chest infection, we we had to move it to November. So I guess first and foremost, uh, how are you going? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, I'm so much better. Um, uh, yeah, I could sort of hardly walk at, at um, uh, the beginning of March. It was uh, quite a bad situation, but... Um, um, I've progressed in leaps and bounds uh, and I'm looking forward to come and doing what I should have done earlier this year. But um, I think I'm just, um, I think there's, there's good size to it as well. I think kind of, uh, I think more people, because time's gone by, we've, uh, the shows are likely to be sold out. So uh, I think that's quite good. It's given uh, people a bit more time to uh, get their ticket and uh, see you yeah. in the flesh. Yeah, that's right. Now, it's been 40 years since uh, Gang of Four's Entertainment. Uh, I mean, the likes of Kurt Cobain, he named it as one of his favourite albums. Uh, does it surprise you that the album still transcends with people today? Um, well, it's difficult to answer a question like that without sounding like you've got a really big head. Okay. Um, but uh, I'll... I'll, I'll I'll answer it anyway. Um, and I, I think, let me put it this way. I think the reasons, I think there's a couple of reasons why it still connects with people. I think because uh, musically, it, I, I wasn't interested in like doing a genre thing uh, of sounding like someone else. Um, uh, what I wanted to do uh, in my naivety was to try and create a new sort of musical language uh, uh, just to to go back to the building blocks of what a band can do so you've got the various drum things you know tom floor tom hanging tom hi-hat open hi-hat snare drum cymbal and you know all those things and then you've got the stabs from the guitar and the notes from the bass and it, to me it was like weaving those things together so you know we'll put the open hi-hat there then we'll put a flaut on there and the guitar goes there and it's almost like weaving a tapestry you know you kind of put everything together um so it was it was like a new thing it's like well you know you can't say oh well that sounds like bob marley or well, that sounds like um you know something else or that sounds like the sex pistols but it didn't sound like anything so it had a kind of fresh freshness about it and, and that you know pertains today um and the other thing was it a lot of it uh was i mean people call it a sort of political uh it's more of a descriptive an observational lyric that it's about how how power is distributed, how the media works, uh, and how our personal lives are constructed, uh, our personal financial situations, our relationships, sexual relationships, and 
all of those things, those are the kind of things that it sort of deals with. And those are very relevant today. So that's why I think that's why it feels um, fresh at the moment. If I've done my research correctly, uh, I think it was at uh, EMI that you were, um, you know, showing the album to or letting them hear it. And they thought that it was um, B-sides or, you know, pre, I guess, recording the album. And they thought that it wasn't finished. Um, possibly. I don't remember that. But um, <laughs> I do remember that there was a lot of excitement with major labels. Uh, I mean, there were a lot more major labels then than there are now. Um you know, but uh, CBS were making offers, EMI were making offers, and and then <clears throat> various independent labels also. I think a lot of people, because we, we put out an EP uh, through Fast Product, and that's what had kind of caused this uh, excitement. Uh, you know, I mean, interestingly, EMI, uh, the when we signed to EMI, we had the um, A&R man, Chris Briggs. And people used to say, oh, well, if you sign to a big, big label, they're going to tell you exactly how to do it and they're mm. going to interfere. Uh, and it, it couldn't have been further from the truth. I mean, he, oh. uh, actually, I actually wouldn't have minded a bit more interference, to be honest. Um, okay. But he just, he just popped down the studio buy us all a couple of drinks and then tell us a story about somebody or other and then clear off. But uh, in my experience with producing bands uh, over the years, uh, the people that are most want to kind of tell you how it should go tend to come from the independent labels much more than the, uh, much more than, than, than the majors in my experience. Now, again, you can sort of uh, squash this or uh, tell a little bit of a story. The song At Home, He's a Tourist, um, apparently it was banned by BBC uh, when released as a single due to the lyrical references to condoms. Now, um, you were asked to do Top of the Pops, which I guess is the equivalent of what the Australian uh, countdown uh, was. Uh, The show producers apparently asked you to change the word rubbers to rubbish for fear of cause and offence. Now, that appearance was cancelled because you guys refused to do that did it ever cross your mind to kind of do what the dolls did with ed on the ed sullivan show and say that they were going to yeah they'll they'll change it but then say it anyway well the thing is uh everything on top of the pots was pre-recorded right um so um so you can't do that unfortunately um what they do is they if they want you to change something, they send you down to a studio and make you change it. Yeah. Uh, and they initially we said they said they wanted to change change the word rubbers, and uh, we said okay, we'll change it to packets, and and we did that. And then I think basically they just did not want us on the show, come what may. <laughs> That's, that was basically it. And um, after we did change it to packets, they said, said, no, you've got to change it again. Change it to rubbish because it sounds like rubbers. Um, and so that, you know, we cover up the fact that we're making you change lyrics. 
if you see what I mean. Yeah. Uh, and and that's, you know, we don't mind changing it if it's obvious, but we don't want to be complicit in obscuring your censorship. Right. So, uh, yeah. So that was the point that we, uh, there was an impasse. And how dare you guys try to promote safe sex? I know it's <laughs> outrageous. Condoms are condoms are a terrible, terrible thing, and you should not use them. Yeah, <laughs> that's the soundbite right there. I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a it's it's a real sign of the times, isn't it? But yeah. Uh, now you touched yeah. on it a bit earlier there, right? Uh, you've produced a lot of uh, other bands uh, over the journey, um, including the debut album for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I mean, the Jesus Lizard, uh, the Stranglers, uh, our very own Michael Hutchins, uh, also yeah. Killing Joke. Um, I guess what do you would what do you prefer? Do you like uh, solely being a producer or also being a upfront, being a performer? Well, I think I like. Uh, I like both. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're different, obviously. Mm. But um, when, you know, when working with a band uh, in the studio, uh, trying to help them achieve what it is they're going for um, uh, is, is quite is rewarding. It's also, you know, it's also real hard work. Um, and, uh, you know, you've got to, you're the guy that has to be, focused all the time you know uh, musicians can kind of drift off and and you can work with you know somebody else and but you have to be right on it all the time uh and when you're being an artist when you're doing it yourself um is there is the uh, the additional pleasure of it's it is working on material that you have created um so I suppose, in a sense, I would kind of, I, I would prefer that. Um, although with this last record, Happy Now, um, I decided that I would definitely wanted other people in the studio to co-produce, so that I wasn't just being the sole producer and the artist, which I don't think is necessarily. I mean, I think it's quite. It also takes longer as well. It slows the process down, and I've I've become a believer in momentum, and um, it's taken me a long time to get there. But uh, ironically, but uh, I think if things, if the creative process is going quite quickly and you're getting results, I think that's just great for the project and it, it just keeps things moving and, and, and you feel that you're achieving th- great things. Uh, and so I, I did think moving, moving swiftly is, is, is great. And if uh, someone uh, said to you, look, you can only produce or perform, what would you most likely pick? Um, well, when you say perform, do you mean, uh, record your own records and perform yeah. them yeah. yeah i would go for that yeah okay um well, i guess um this tour has sort of been mainly focused around the entertainment album i mean uh, yeah. I've, uh, it only goes for about uh, 40 minutes so will we be taking uh, any requests by the punters uh that's a good idea actually um i hadn't, I hadn't thought of taking requests i mean there's lots of 
uh, yeah, there's lots of tracks that from various albums over the years, and also the most recent stuff, Happy Now, mm. and uh, and from What Happens Next. There's yeah a few songs from that. So I mean, you know, we'd 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 pull a few songs from uh, various albums and uh, some of our favourites, and maybe we should be asking uh, people what they want to hear. Maybe we'll do that on Facebook or something, or Twitter. Or uh, even just uh, live from the crowd, people shouting things at you. How about that? Yeah, well, the trouble with that is that <laughs> you probably shout something that I don't know. I can't, I've forgotten how to play. Um, Put you on the spot then, a bit. Then you're on the spot, yeah. Uh, and uh, probably have to get them up to play it. A lot of great punk bands uh, came out of England. I mean, why do you suppose that's the, uh, I mean, punk took such a stronghold in England? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, it's, uh, music and bands have always been really important in, in Britain. Uh, and, um, and I think when the, I think it was, it was an, the excitement, <clears throat> sorry, the excitement of, um, People like the Sex Pistols uh, being outrageous and uh, swearing at, at um, interviewers on TV and all of that stuff. It just it it dragged a lot of uh, young people in, you know, uh, and uh, that it, you know this was something really exciting for once uh, because I think a lot of music. Uh, in the early 70s had some of it had got a bit dull some of it had got a bit safe uh, so I think I think the, the excitement uh, was very infectious uh, and, and I think that's what started uh, a lot of uh, a lot of bands or post-punk bands uh, came out of that excitement you know and and I think there was a there was a, a an a big audience for it who were really up for it, you know. Absolutely. Uh, Gang of Four, you will be down under in early November to play the album Entertainment in its entirety, plus all the hits. Uh, it's a very big thank you to uh, Andy Gill. Uh, looking forward to uh, when you guys are down under. I'm looking forward to it a lot myself. So good talking to you. <laughs>